Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Ruth Ezel. Producer and director Michael Dalton Smith's early passion for volcanoes has followed him throughout his career. It's led to his production of various natural history programs on them that have aired on the Smithsonian, National Geographic, and Discovery Channels. His film, Volcanoes, Fire of Creation, now showing at the St. Louis Science Center through July, takes viewers on an IMAX adventure to the boiling lava lakes of the world, grasslands, and depths of the oceans, all where volcanoes help shape vibrant ecosystems. St. Louis on the Air producer Lara Hamden spoke to Dalton Smith yesterday and began by asking him what sparked his interest in the planetary mass object. For me, volcanoes started when I was very young. Mm -hmm. I was nine. Uh, either you like dinosaurs, you like space. I liked volcanoes. And so it followed me through my career. I've made a number of TV shows uh, where I've followed and visited many active volcanoes, and it just became a real passion for me. And to make this movie, I thought, what better venue to have than a giant IMAX dome theater to be able to put it on uh, because it gives you a sense of taking your audience to those places. So for me, it was a perfect fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you mentioned, this film takes place across the globe. What are some of those places? Um, so I think in total, we visited 10 countries, I think probably close to 40 volcanoes. Not all of them ended up in the movie. Um, probably one of the biggest one that people would know is the recent eruptions in Hawaii, which uh, was the largest that they've had in 200 years. Which ones to you were the most, uh, which sites to you were the most challenging? Um, funny enough, it's actually more uh, local stuff. So like Hawaii, because you're obviously faced with something that's so dangerous. So it's the balance between uh, having access to these places to be able to go in and get close enough to give the viewers that type of experience. Um, so certainly working in Hawaii where you were in the middle of a natural disaster, um, there were lots of police, lots of military around, and just getting the access was e extremely challenging. Mm -hmm. Do you think that we've come to know all that we can about volcanoes, or is there still a lot to discover about this wonder? Um, part of the reason why I wanted to do this movie is because the more I got involved, the more I realized how vast volcanoes were and how much they contribute to the overall creation of the world that we know of it. Everything from landscapes to life sort of has its origins in volcanoes, and I don't think no, uh, many people really know that. Mm -hmm. Well, this wasn't the first time that you've worked on a natural history program about volcanoes. Uh, you directed and produced the Volcanic Odyssey TV series. Uh, tell me, what was something you learned while in the process of making this film that you didn't know before? Mainly about the uh, just the vast connection that we have to them, mm -hmm. the fact that they're the thing that helped contribute to water, helped contribute to our atmosphere. Um, the origins of volcanoes are the same origins as our moon. And so there was lots of connections to things I hadn't really associated and stuff that you can see no matter where you are, like looking up at the moon and being able to see visible lava flows on the moon. This film actually starts off in space, and there are these dynamic and detailed graphics that visualize the theory of how volcanoes were formed. Can you tell us a bit about that theory? Yeah, so the heat of volcanoes obviously comes from somewhere. It's We tend to forget that maybe 60 miles below our feet, 
uh, there's this heat source, and it's molten, it's powerful, and it came from somewhere. And that was through the impact of a planet about the size of Mars. When it collided with Earth, it generated this initial heat that kicked off everything. And it's still present today. It's down there. And volcanoes are a window to that. Mm-hmm. Those graphics, who helped put those together? And were geologists involved in helping you kind of visualize this? Yeah, so we have a number of people who contributed this. Uh, we had one of the leading uh, world's astrophysicists who would look over and, and compare the different theories that are out there and give their input. Um, thankfully, they, they thought our depiction of what happened is very accurate. And it was done through a visual effects team. One of the guys worked on the Star Wars movies and who has, came over to work with me on this. Mm-hmm. The film also explores the ancient Roman city of Pompeii, which was buried under volcanic ash after a nearby volcano had erupted. Do you think something similar would occur today? Yeah, I definitely think there's a possibility of something like Pompeii happening today. Uh, It can actually happen at the site, which is modern-day Naples, uh, but we have lots of volcanoes around here. Certainly with the West Coast, you're looking with the recent, fairly geologically speaking, recent eruption of Mount St. Helens. Um, That could happen with Mount Rainier in Seattle. Um, What we just saw occur in Hawaii is a great example uh, where the volcano actually opened up under a residential neighborhood. And I think the severity catches people off guard, but there's dozens of cities around the world, be it Mexico City, Tokyo, uh, who all live next to very active, very big volcanoes. Yeah, and like you mentioned, people are still living there. So how, I mean, are governments more prepared now than before maybe in case there's a lot of volcanic activity? Do they have backup plans to, I guess, evacuate the city if a volcano erupts? Yeah, the challenge with that is we don't know what scale it's going to erupt at. And Hawaii is a good case in point. That's a volcano that's erupted consistently for 40 years. And yet, although they had all the contingency plans and emergency plans in place, they were still sort of caught off guard. And even today, a year after, people can't access those neighborhoods, even if their houses are still standing. Um, But I think it's something that's a lot larger than humans. So we tend to... Uh, bring it down to a much more human level and do our contingency plans. But volcanoes can be very big and very catastrophic. So we just hope that they don't occur in our lifetime. And thankfully, because of the geological span of a volcano, can be thousands of years. In most cases, we're pretty safe. Mm -hmm. Has climate change played a role in volcanic activity? Um, Surprisingly, uh, climate change has. Uh, Not kind of how you would think, but there are a lot of volcanoes that are buried under glaciers. And where you have a volcano that has hundreds to thousands of feet of ice over top, it creates a lot of pressure. And so as these glaciers melt, uh, mainly in places like Iceland, you could actually take enough weight off the top that's keeping that volcano from erupting, and you could potentially have something like we had in Iceland, um, I think, in the last 10 years, uh, affect us. And it's something that people don't realize. Yeah. So tell us, what's it like to be up close to a volcano? Um, Temperature-wise, is it hot or is it cold? In the film, I noticed the photographer wasn't in short sleeves. So what's the temperature like? Well, it can vary. It depends geographically where you are. Um, 
the interesting thing first about approaching a volcano is just the power of it. And you're often overcome with fear. It's You tend to think of us as being really brave. We're actually, uh, in my case, very scared on volcanoes. Uh, but you have lots of hazards. Uh, the rock's really sharp. So often you do tend to dress up a little heavier than the weather predicts. But you can get blasted with heat. Say off a lava lake, we've got this massive roiling lava lake. When you d get down close to it, you have to put on an Omex suit because it's so hot. Uh, in Hawaii, if you're on the, the windward side of the lava flows, you get blasted with heat and it's like opening an oven. Sometimes it's, it's actually too hot and you have to retreat. You mentioned the suit earlier. The film follows National Geographic photographer Karsten Peter as he tries to visually capture these volcanic sites. And there's a scene where he gets really near the boiling lava lake, and he was wearing this really shiny silver suit. What was that? Uh, it's made out of a thing called Nomex, and I think it's similar to either what firefighters use or even race car drivers um, to protect them from any, any fuel fires. And basically what it does is provide a shield between you and the uh, the volcano or the heat from the volcano. Mm -hmm. And it's good, but you couldn't obviously step into lava with it uh, because you would burn up. But it, it's meant to protect you long enough so you can get back to safe distances. Mm -hmm. For those who need a refresher, can you explain the difference between lava and magma? Lava is when an eruption happens, uh, magma is what you find underground. So as soon as it breaks the surface, then it's called lava. And I think it's more geologists used it to differentiate the two because they behave quite differently when they're above ground and when they're below ground. So it's, it's a good definition break for them uh, to have. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, if you're referring to magma, it's always underground and it has never reached the surface. Something viewers might not realize while watching this film is just how big volcanoes are. I mentioned this to you earlier today because there's a scene where you visually capture a photographer getting near a lava lake. And as the camera pans out, you can really just see how tiny he was. And you said that capturing that moment was intentional to really visualize how massive these things are. Yeah, when you go to a volcano, you you realize how small we are. And compared to either the scale uh, of the structure of the volcano. Sometimes you can you can have them upwards of 15,000 feet high. Uh, they're enormous. Um, the one volcano that we filmed in with a lava lake, you could put basically a small city into it. It's so big. And without a person being on camera or something that we can visually um, associate to, uh, you just don't understand the scale of these things. Like sometimes there, you know, could be uh, enough that you can stick the Empire State Building into them in the case of the one that we descend down to. Uh, other ones, you actually don't get the scale where it could be like you're on a football pitch in a center field uh, or at the center part, that's where the active crater is and we're just in the end zone. So you could actually have rocks and stuff flying over your head because you're that close. How did you anchor the photographer to get them in there? Uh, in the case of Marum, which is the big lava lake we visited, uh, we needed a lot of gear because uh, I think uh, if I can remember correctly, um, it's about a thousand feet down or 800 feet down, so we have to um, use anchors, a lot of long ropes, ropes that actually have steel cables inside them because you don't want them to get cut. Uh, you have acid that's attacking all your equipment uh, because the air is very acidic, so any metal that you have will actually corrode with inside of just hours. And so a lot of protective gear, a lot of redundancy in the safety, and uh, 
take it all out by helicopter, and uh, it's a lot of gear, well, a lot how, of resources. How big is your production team? Um, in terms of filming, we're actually quite small, and we do that because of the danger. We don't want traditionally IMAX crews. You tend to have 40 or 50 people in your crew, but we couldn't do that here. So we're utilizing the latest camera technology, the highest resolution shooting in 8K, um, but mainly trying to keep our, our crews down to two or three people, more for safety reasons than anything, because with this one, we're getting as close as we can safely and sometimes beyond the safety limits to, to give viewers that type of experience of actually being inside the volcano. And how long were you guys together in this in this film? Um, took roughly about two and a half years to film on and off. And so we were looking for key volcanoes that were active all the time. And then we would, of course, in the case of Hawaii, respond to the ones that sort of popped up and were big news stories. And tell us a bit about the specific equipment that you would need to film around volcanoes, like cameras. And especially for IMAX cameras, they're different than traditional ones. Yeah, the IMAX world is moving into um, the digital age now. So we've got cameras that shoot 8K resolution. Um, so we actually have our gear is much, much smaller. And I think um, like the same type of camera that I use, you can use on big budget Hollywood films as well. Uh, and it's nice the fact that everything has gotten so small and compact. Uh, people remember back to the Everest film, they had to lug this massive 65 pound camera and thankfully we don't have to do that and we don't have to run through 70 mil film that gobbles it up in in seconds at thousands of dollars per second uh, so we can do it digitally and we can take the time and we can get the shots we really need so it's really expanded the opportunities that filmmakers have to capture nature to capture any sort of event. Yeah, this is the first volcano movie in 25 years and I can understand through logistics why it's taken so long for another film to happen is because it's just it's too hard to do with the bigger cameras. So yeah, it gives us a total advantage to be able to take a smaller camera up there. Well, what was the difference between kind of filming this kind of IMAX movie and that TV series that you were part of? Uh, obviously, it's much bigger. Uh, where you're doing TV, it's it's on a smaller scale. So uh, IMAX screen is four and a half stories high. So you have to have something that's visually engaging to mm -hmm. fill that space. Mm -hmm. Shots are much longer. gives you time to look around and really feel like you're there. So it's more about the immersive experience rather than the fast-paced action and why these films tend to, to focus more on the science and be more family-oriented uh, for that reason is because we give you the chance to experience the environment you're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wanted to get specifically into that of what, what can people expect to see and take away from the IMAX presentation of this film? Uh, first, firstly would be the thrill of it. Like when you go there, you really feel like you're standing on the edge of the crater. You're there anticipating what I felt. The first time I looked in and wondering if this explosion is going to kill you or not. And the impact, the sound all contributes to that. And the second part of that is that it gives you a chance to look at volcanoes in a completely different light. So this isn't going to be the IMAX volcano film you're thinking of. You're going to come out of it understanding the world differently when you see this movie. 
and the role that volcanoes played in that. Mm -hmm. And you've also, throughout your career, have worked on other natural history programs. What are some of those? Yeah, so it's uh, early on when I started, I got involved in volcanoes and I got involved in Africa. So the bulk of my other filming is mainly focused on Africa stories and the Serengeti or East Africa and the jungles. And they're really my two passions as a kid. Um, I just love being in these natural environments that are like they were thousands of years ago. What prompted that interest? Was it like a science lesson in school or something you saw on TV? Yeah, I definitely have to go back and say that it was uh, when I, growing up watching National Geographic when we had fewer channels and every Friday night there was the hour that we could watch a nat National Geographic program and my brothers were interested in the af or the action shows of the day and I always wanted to see the nature stuff and I saw a documentary I think when I was nine years old on a volcano and right then and there I knew I said I want to do that and my dad asked if it was what you want to be a volcanologist and I was like no actually I want to make these so I want to go on these expeditions and so it's more the adventure that draws me in but it's always with a scientific side of it. Did it pan out like you expected or was it different? Uh, I think it was as as I hoped, or I guess I, I should say dreamed, because it, it's a very unique career. There's no real place that you can go and study this. Um, it's more that you have a sense of curiosity and a sense of adventure, and you put the two of them together. You look for that dark place on the map, and you say, I want to go there and see what's mm -hmm. there. And in this case, it's you want to go back to the origins of our Earth and stand on the side of a volcano and see what it looks like close mm -hmm. up when it explodes. It's not for everybody, yeah. but it's good for me. <laughs> um, are, are there any other projects that you're interested on working on? Yeah, certainly anything to do with volcanoes and my first love, which is uh, Africa. Is there anything in the works? Yeah, definitely uh, there will always be another one, maybe another volcano movie, mm -hmm. I think, not too far off in the distance. So I'll let this one run for four or five years and then see what's next after that. That was producer and director Michael Dalton-Smith talking with St. Louis on the Air producer Laura Hamden. His IMAX film, Volcanoes, Fire of Creation, is now showing at the St. Louis Science Center through July. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.